I'm going to read a story to you. Now, I, I could just tell it, but um, I want you to see where it's from. And, and I don't know if anybody else except Carol and me know this. Maybe others do. But this is like one of his favorite stories in the Bible. He constantly wanted to think about this. He'd talk about it. We'd study it together. And um, it's a special story in uh, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. And, you know, 2 Kings has a lot of great, interesting stories about the prophet Elisha. So let's start here. And uh, I'll read through. And then I'm going to explain some important things that I think we can glean today. Starting with 2 Kings 4.8, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, that is a notable woman, a wealthy, prominent woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray. I pray that we might do this here on our wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he shall turn in here. And it fell on a day. That he came there, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldst thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Well, truly she has no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, you shall embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And it isn't so much that she was calling him a liar. It's like, I never imagined. you got to be kidding. And then he wasn't. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. Now, when we say grown, we don't mean a grown man, but he's grown up a bit. He's still a little boy. And he said unto his father, My head, my head! And, he, and the father said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray, uh, one of the young men 
and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, well, why, why will you go to him today? It's, it's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. An act of submission and respect. She fell down at his feet. And uh, Gehazi uh, came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord said, hath hid this from me and hath not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth. And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them both and prayed unto the Lord, and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him, and the child, the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Quite a story. A childless woman, and back in those days, being childless was a, a, a sense of reproach. Having future generation. A father wants a son, a mother wants a child, and, and uh, their legacy is at stake. And, and she didn't have that. But when this son was born, how precious. A, a promise from God. Uh, a miracle in the sense that an older man could bring forth a son. We, we have had this once in a while in the Bible. Uh, Abraham having a child in his old age, and, and uh, there's also uh, uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias. And here's a wonderful fulfillment of a promise. What a blessing.
Now, when this child died, and I want you to imagine this, she hurried up and got to the prophet. He's not nearby. He might have been 20 miles away. And so she got over there as fast as she could. And um, the, the greeting was, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with uh, you, your husband, and your child? And she answered, it is well. But this poor boy's laying dead on that bed back there at home. This word translated well is a word that you may not be a Hebrew scholar, but you might know the word shalom. It's used a lot as a greeting. It means peace. It has with it the idea of peace or prosperity. And and often greetings were shalom. Or wishing people well uh, and wishing people peace. Now, we want to talk about death and grieving. Because if you don't grieve, something's wrong. You are suppressing. You're plugging up the pressure cooker, and that's not right. That's not good. But there's another kind of thing where we are hopelessly grieving, and that's not right either. So I think we gain a valuable lesson here. Yes, death is a part of life. But it often feels like a cheat. It cheats us. It robs us. So to honor this woman's faith, we need to understand her grief when her son died. And as I said, this son was a wonderful gift from God. It's a gift she didn't really ask for. It wasn't like she begged the prophet. No, it was his idea. And she was glad. But... She loved God, and the boy died. And he's been a blessing for how many years, I don't know. She had assisted the prophet by making a part of their home a chamber where he could come in and out freely. He and his servant could rest and eat and study and and whatever they wanted to do. They had a little place. She didn't ask anything for that. But God gave to her and rewarded her for her selfless faith and love. So she is having a boy that was more than she could ask or think. That's why she said, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. What? It was a faithful type of amazement. This precious child suddenly became ill, died, and Dad and the servants are out working in the fields. It's harvest time. The little boy had come out there, and he said his head hurt, and he had one of the servants take him back to mom, but he didn't know what happened, and she didn't tell him right away. But when he said, why do you want to go see the prophet? I mean, right now? And she just said, it will be well. It will be shalom. It will be the end result, peace and prosperity. In other words, trust me. I need to see the man of God. And, and of course, he trusted her. And, and, he, and he let her go. And so there's that amazing statement. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? And she says, it is well. It is shalom. It is all peace. It is all prosperity. And at the same time, She told the servant, don't you slow down. You get there until I tell you to stop. (laughs) And when Elijah saw her, he could perceive. It says in my translation, her soul was vexed. 
Other, other words used here are bitter or grieving. Something's up. And you all know what it's like to try to hold back and talk when you when you're want to cry and your lip starts quivering. And anyways, he saw her distress. He saw her earnestness. She fell at his feet. And then he said, help. Now, we don't go through all the methods here. But the fact is, the son was restored. The son was restored. And God followed through. And, and I don't know why, but God often gives us grace and then he tests that grace. He exercises it. It's kind of like a, an oak tree. As it's young, it's battling the wind, but it's getting stronger for that. And one day, uh, that tree might be the mast of a, of a sailing ship. But we go through these things. We're being exercised. Not tested to find that God wants to find out something because he already knows. But he's testing so we can learn things and find out things. And be able to perhaps help others who go through the same kinds of tests. So she had sorrow. But she also had faith. She was seeking the Lord's help. And this reminds me of some words that the Apostle Paul gave us. And I read now from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them, them which are asleep. Again, there's that word. It's metaphorical. It's poetical. Talking about death. Looks like the body's asleep. And we're not, we don't believe in soul sleep. We believe absent from the body is present with the Lord. But that's another sermon. But he says... I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He didn't say you, you shouldn't sorrow, but don't sorrow like people who have no hope. And I've been in some places where I, I heard hopeless weeping and wailing at a funeral. And it's, it's oh, it's a bitter thing. And, and, and you can weep a lot, but you can weep in hope. So here's, here's what Paul says, why you shouldn't do that. Uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus, those who die in the faith of Jesus Christ, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or, or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do today is give you comfort, and, and, and not just there, there, it'll all be better. I've wondered sometimes, how can people say that they don't know what they're talking about? But in Christ, in faith, in His Word, I can say today, you may be comforted as you behold Christ. Receive Him into your life if you haven't already, and you will have the power of the resurrection presiding or existing within you because Jesus comes to, to live in us until the day of redemption. Well, we have to think about faith is not ever 
being without doubt. Actually, doubt and faith kind of work together. When we doubt something and we struggle and we overcome those doubts by faith, now our faith is stronger. It's been tested. It's been built up. And we have to look, uh, again, as I said already, uh, death is a part of life. Well, how could this woman say it is well? Uh, You may say, oh, it's just a formality, just a greeting. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. She had composure to speak in the words of faith, it is well. But let's think about some things. Even if she didn't know the prophet would raise her son from the dead, she could say this, that she had a family. Only by the grace of God, she had been able to have a baby at all. That old saying, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And though he did not live long, she experienced love and joy with him in the home. Now that son was in the hands of God. She would one day see him again when she also passed on into God's hands. Her son was now treasure laid up in heaven. Laid up for a later time. And you've heard me say that several times, Carol. Dave is treasure laid up in heaven. He's He's been invested for us. Now, King David had a situation, too, where he lost a child. And here's his faithful words that can comfort us. David says regarding that that son that died, I shall not go to him, but he shall not... Excuse me. I shall go to him. I read this wrong. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Now, the Shunammite woman, she got a big surprise. He did return. But... The standard is what David said, that we will go to them, so shall I ever be with the Lord. And trying to go backwards isn't the way. With God, it's always forward. And by His grace, we're all going to go forward, and we're going to cherish memories, and we're going to uh, uh, put to practice valuable lessons and follow an example where Dave's life touched you you indeed will be like a part of him going on in this world forward. Today, through the gospel of Christ and the revelation of the New Testament, we know more about death and eternity than that faithful woman, that Shunammite woman did over 2,500 years ago. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And I might add, in that verse, he turns to to Mary, who just lost a brother, and he says, do you believe this? And that's why I have to ask you today, do you believe this? Death means separation. When a person dies, their spirit and soul are separated from their body. But the more important thing is called the second death. First death is just a physical thing. But the second death is something we don't want anything to do with. This is when a person's spirit and soul are separated from God forever. Jesus is telling us that when a person leaves this life, if they have believed and trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they will immediately be in the presence of the Lord and never separated from Him forever. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think I already said it, but 
I'm seeing it again here. Paul says, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, there's another side to this coin, and I would be negligent if I didn't mention it. Jesus warned unbelievers, and he said, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. You shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So Jesus said there's a definite importance on where you put your faith and and who you trust and follow. And you must make sure you know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior that the Father sent, the only Savior. Or as he said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. We must believe, and this isn't just an academic issue, folks. I could teach academically about why Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. I can teach academically that he did miracles and that he died and that he rose again. And if you only academically nod your head along, that's not the new birth. That's not the new birth that we need. You see, the gospel is not just information. It is for the purpose of transformation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And I repeat, and it's right back here behind me on the wall, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So now we ask the pointed question, is it well with you? If you just say shalom, I don't know if you know what you're saying or not. Have you put your faith in the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah? He is the one, the only one that the Father sent to be the Savior of the world. No normal man can pay for his own sins or anybody else's. No normal man can change their own heart and make things right. God himself had to become a man and dwell with us, not just setting an example of good living, but living a worthy, sinless life that could be offered as a sacrifice, a substitute payment for our sinful lives. The resurrected Christ now provides forgiveness and a new life. We call it the new birth. When Jesus comes to live within the person, who receives him as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Today, 
things are well with Dave Long. He's never been better. <laughs> Is it well with you? I know Dave wanted you to know this. He wanted every one of you to hear this so that things could be well with your soul too. For now and all eternity. This story inspired a great song. A man was involved during the times of the Great Chicago Fire. and He, had a, he was a businessman and his uh, business was pretty destroyed. And uh, after the, some of the aftermath, he sent his wife and his daughters on an ocean voyage and he was going to meet them over in Europe, I think England. The ship got into the fog and got into a wreck and it sank. And the wife sent him a telegram saying, I alone survive. Lost his daughters. And he packed up and he got on the next ship he could to get to that wife of his and encourage her. And as they were traveling, he had asked the captain to wake him up or let him know when they get to that spot where the wreck had occurred. And sometime in the night, the captain aroused him and they came out and he stood at that place and words started coming. It is well with my soul. Let me uh, read you just a little bit of this. And then I hope you'll join me to, to sing it also. It's uh, number 493 in our hymn books, in case you want to get ready. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Would you please stand with me and let us sing this great testimony from a man's life and from a, a, a great teaching in the Word of God. Number 493, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul 
my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. It is well, O my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight, the clouds rolled back as a scroll. The trumps shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And again, if we might pray, Father, thank you for wellness. It's not just a greeting, it's not just wishful thinking. It is a promise filled with grace and power that is ready for anyone who will say yes to you. Please, Father, grant faith today where it's needed. Faith to keep on keeping on. Faith to believe in the resurrection. Faith to believe in the Son of God who is the resurrection and the life. To have Him within us and we following Him as good sheep follow their shepherd. Please, Lord, give the encouragement and the direction that each person in this room needs. Thank you for this precious time. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.